Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, I wanted to share something with you because um, one of my favorite Christmas traditions is playing games. And you get together with family, and you play games, and you do that kind of... Any of you guys do that? Family games? Or, yeah. Like a reading thing, we do games instead and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to uh, start this portion of our Sunday celebration a little differently, and I wanted to have you guys play a game with me. Who's in the mood for a game? <laughs> me, Ben... Okay, more people, just slow. More coffee back there for you guys that aren't with it yet. Okay, so we're going to play this game, uh, and it is called This that or the other. Anyone heard of it? No? Seriously, we've done it here before. <laughs> it's been a couple of years, but okay, basically here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a phrase, right, and I'll, I'll put it up on the screen, and you guys, don't yell it out, just raise your hand, uh, have to determine is that phrase from one of three places, this place, that place, or the other, uh, is the phrase a Bible verse? Is it a phrase from an action movie? which some of you are like, okay, I'm out, but that's okay. Or is it uh, from a Christmas movie, since we're talking about classic Christmas movies? They should all be good movies, just not Christmas. <laughs> they should all be... be. <laughs> well, if it, were, if it were me, yeah, it would all be superhero movies. Uh, okay, so here's what I do. I'm going to give you a phrase. Again, don't yell it out. Just raise your hands, and I would do side A versus side B, but it's just not even close to equal. Uh, and it would be really bad if they won with this many people on this side. But, so we're just going to do everybody. Just raise your hand if you, if you have an answer, okay? Uh, so the first phrase I'm going to give you is this. And you have to say, is it from a Bible verse? Is it from an action movie? Or is it from a Christmas movie? Okay? So the first phrase is, you're the king of sinful sots. Okay, Ben had his hand up, like, as the slide was changing. Yeah. Okay. Extra point, what Christmas movie? The Grinch. The Grinch. There you go. Awesome. Uh, yeah, anybody? It's from the song, The Grinch. Okay, uh, so here's the next phrase. And again, you guys have to decide, is it from an action movie? Is it from a Bible verse? Or is it from a um, classic Christmas movie? Your brain is full of spiders. Ben again. Same movie. Same movie. Absolutely right. Christmas movie, The Grinch. Has no one seen that movie? <laughs> okay. It's, yeah, it's in the song. All right. Here's the last one. This is a given. All right. This is the last one, last phrase. Your soul is an appalling dump heap overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of rubbish imaginable. Patty, The Grinch. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, now here, here's the thing. Uh, how many people like remember singing that song when the TV show comes on, you sing along with the song? Yeah. Here's the thing. That song is horrible for kids. I don't know what was going through Dr. Seuss's head. If you look at the words, like if people said this to other people now, if your kid came home and said, this is what someone said to me, you would like claim bullying. Uh, maybe not the first verse. Uh, but that was the Grinch also. Maybe not the first verse, because it's, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. Not bad. You're as cuddly as a cactus, as charming as an eel. 
you're a, banana, you're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. Like, if your kid came home and said, someone said that to me, you probably wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't throw a fit, but you'd be like, that's not nice. But then, it's racist. It's racist. <laughs> probably. All right, so now, here, here's the thing. The next one gets worse. So imagine your kid coming home like, ooh, look, I got a Christmas card from little Jimmy. And then you open it, and this is what you read. You're a monster. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You have garlic in your soul. And I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. Because remember, this is Dr. Seuss. This was for who? Who is it for? Kids. So I don't know, but as a kid, I sang along with this. You don't think anything about it when you're singing it, but when you read this, especially, I'm not going to go through all of them, but the very last verse, it's kind of rough. It's like you're a rotter. You're the king of sinful sots. Here's a quick, how many people know what a sot is? It's an alcoholic. <laughs> this is what kids are hearing. You're the king of sinful alcoholics. Your heart's a dead tomato, spots with moldy purple spots. Your soul... That's harsh. Your soul is an appalling dump heap overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of rubbish imaginable, mangled up and tangled up knots. And it sounds good because the guy who sings it is the guy, what did he used to do? Uh, Tony the Tiger. You're great. Remember Tony the Tiger? That's the guy who sang it. So we all sang along, not thinking that we're probably scarring people for life. Uh, maybe that's why it's not on TV as much as like it used to be back in the day. But um, still, one of my favorites. I love it, <laughs> even the song. Because it's awesome until you like read the words. But here's what we're going to do, because they're Christmas, Christmas classics that start with like a lot of negativity, right? Stuff like that. Christmas classic movies where uh, instead of starting with you know, a lot of good stuff in them, they start with like negative, mean-spirited stuff, and then they get better. One of them uh, that we're going to talk about today is A Christmas Carol. Right? How many people remember Christmas Carol, Scrooge, Bah Humbug? The phrase has become like popular worldwide, Bah Humbug, because of uh, this movie. Right? The other one, now, work with me. What do you think the other one is that we're going to talk about today? The Grinch. Thank you for paying attention. Yes. <laughs> We've kind of been leading up to that, so I thought it would be a, 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 an easy like go-to. But yeah, uh, The Grinch is the other one, because um, those are movies that kind of start with like this mean stuff going on, but they end with this happy, happy, joy, joy, spirit of hope thing. Now, for those of you who don't remember, I'm sure most of you do, Christmas Carol uh, starts with Scrooge, and he is this penny-pinching, mean-spirited guy who like is mean to everyone, and the only thing that matters to him uh, is money, right? And I have to pause and say this because I forgot. We're streaming this live. I am dressed like this because this is um, ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. I don't normally dress like this. I just people tune in and be like, "What the heck is going on?" I just want them to know. But um, so it starts with this whole, you know, guy, and he's uh, I think he's making everyone work on Christmas Eve, and he's like, "I got to get the last penny out of you. You you know, you don't get to go home for Christmas Eve. I don't care that little Timmy is sick and needs a uh, whether you need a heart, a lung, a leg. I forget." He had what? He had polio or some kind of disease. They're like, too bad. He's still alive. Get back to work. They, I mean, he was just mean-spirited guy. But then what happens is he's visited by 
the ghost of Christmas past, right? Basically, this ghost comes up to him and shows him how some of the past decisions uh, that he made led to who he is today. It's like you didn't just all of a sudden wake up one morning and decide to be a grump, right? Uh, this came over a period of time where bad decision after bad decision after bad decision led to who you are now, uh, which we know some people who, you know, have made some bad decisions in their past that's kind of impacting their life now. Uh, but then he's visited by the ghost of Christmas present who basically says, hey, he comes up and he says, my goal is to show you that all those bad decisions that you made, here is how people see you today. You think you're doing this wonderful thing because you're this penny-pinching mean guy who's all about gotta save a buck, da-da-da-da-da. But people see you as an arrogant, you know, mean-spirited, and I'm trying to use words that are okay to use in church, but you can fill in all the other words, right? They don't like you. You think that what you're doing is good. They don't see that. They see you as a negative, mean-spirited person. And then, finally, he's visited by the ghost of Christmas future, who basically says, here's where you end up if you don't change. Long story short. And it's not the fact that he's going to die, because I think in the thing, he's, he's, what, 60, 70? He's old anyway. I mean, we're all going to die. That happens unless Christ returns, right? So it wasn't that. It was that he was going to die um, alone, not remembered, and the people that did remember him would be like, yeah, I remember him. Thank God he's gone. That, that, that's what his life was leading to if he continued. And he had this miraculous change of heart. Now, here's the thing. Uh, there's a lot of people, again, today, who have issues with, like, the whole Christmas season because of things that have come up in their past and the way they view the world now. It could have been, you know, a lot of people, especially hard times at Christmas because maybe they lost a family member, uh, maybe they went through financial difficulty. Uh, and I can remember one time when I was, I was really hating Christmas uh, just because I was in a tough financial spot. I, I felt like I don't know how I'm gonna provide for my family. Um, and I was like, Christmas sucks. And this was leading up weeks before Christmas. And then my family stepped in and said, dude, why do you even have to worry about it? You didn't even have to ask. Here, let's, and they came together and were huge support. So a lot of people that are dealing with that level of things in their life, uh, they're looking at it from their own circumstance. They're not looking at it at how other people perceive them. They may think people are perceiving me as, you know, whatever. And a lot of people may be like, hey, if you would just let us know what's going on, we would be there to help you. That's what Christmas is all about. That's why Christ came, right? To, 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 to help all of us. And in the Gospel of John, um, again, one of the, we talked about this last week. A lot of people don't look at this as a Christmas verse, but first chapter of John is all about Christmas, the, the birth of Christ. And the word Christ is the amplified version, became flesh, human incarnate, and tabernacled or fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us. God became flesh, walked around, lived as a man, and we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty. The Jewish word there is Shekinah, which means all of that, that that is contained within you that makes you you. And they describe it as so overwhelming and flowing outside of God that you see this glow. Such glory as only as an only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. 
That's why God was born, so that we could share in that, that we get his grace, we get his mercy, we get his love, we get the favor of God. And again, there are people who have had a difficult time during Christmas, but Christ came so that when we start celebrating Christmas, that's so that people would know you don't have to go through those difficulties alone. Now, the other movie, uh, The Grinch, now, oddly enough, Jim Carrey did, he played the Scrooge, he also played the Grinch. I don't know if he was on a Christmas kick or contract or whatever, but um, Grinch, also an angry, mean guy who just hates Christmas, right? He hates everything about Christmas. He hates the people that are celebrating Christmas. He hates all the, the people, the, and I get tongue-tied when I say this, all the who's down in Whoville that are celebrating Christmas, and he's just mad at them because they're enjoying Christmas, right? Now, here's the thing. When you get to the end of the story, the only thing that changes the Grinch's heart is that the who's celebrate Christmas without him and without all their stuff. So they're like, hey, our hope for Christmas, it isn't about the trees, it isn't about the gifts, it isn't about the, I forget what meat they were eating, Whoville beast? Roast beast, which sounds good. I mean, there's, I mean, I know it's a cartoon, but it sounds good. Did anyone ever, sidebar, anyone else, anyone remember the Flintstones? Do you remember the giant slabs of meat they used to put on the grill? Like, I would want to go get a sandwich after watching that, because it just looked good. Anyway, sorry, sorry about um, So, um, the grill, I forgot totally where I was, off track. Now I'm thinking about barbecue. Anyway, so the who's down in Whoville, they're celebrating, they've lost all their stuff, the trees, the gifts, and they're still rejoicing because their hope wasn't, had nothing to do with the stuff about Christmas. Now, Dr. Seuss doesn't come and say it was all about God or it was all about Jesus. He just says it was nothing, had nothing to do with the stuff. And the Grinch sees their hope and the who's down in Whoville celebrating without their stuff, and it changes his heart. Literally, literally, the hope of the who's down in Whoville overcomes his hatred of Christmas, of them, and then he comes down, and it's not really like he goes out of his way. He just gives everything back. It's not like he does anything more other than return his stuff, but it changes his heart, right? And we all know people who are dealing with a lot of stuff, and if they see the hope that we have in Christmas, not the hope that we have in, you know, I hope I get the, you know, the, 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 the Google Home, or I hope I get the, the Nintendo Switch, or I hope I get the, you know, whatever game or whatever it is that we're hoping for, but the, just the hope that we have and celebrate because of the birth of Christ when other people see that, then they, that might make them celebrate in the birth of Christ, regardless of what they have. Now, both of these, right, uh, both of these overcome negativity and hatred with hope. And how many people think that our nation could use a little bit more hope these days? Yeah, because a lot of us are putting hope in, in, in people, in politicians, in political parties, uh, in, 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 you know, strategic government plans or programs, and our hope should be in Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to, I want to do some prayer. We're going to pray about a couple of things, but I'm going to allow our prayer to be guided by another classic, not Christmas movie, but Christmas account. How many remember the account of the wise men? The wise men that show up. Yeah, so um, you don't have to pull out your Bible. I'm going to put all the verses up here on the screen, and we're going to start 
Matthew chapter 2. And this is Matthew recording the birth of Jesus Christ. And he says in chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, here's the important thing. First of all, the Magi, most of your versions say wise men, some say Magi. The Magi was the term that was used. If it were us today, it would be for like a government-sponsored think tank. It wasn't just scientists. It was, uh, what's the guys that read like the signs and study the signs like Capricorn and Virgo and all that stuff? astrologers, as well as astronomists, as well as scientists, as well as like the, the medical doctors of the day and the philosophical you know, doctors of the day, all of these people that were at the top of their uh, specific disciplines gathered together. Now, here's the cool thing. All of these people knew that the king of the Jews was going to be born. They were familiar with the scriptures. Now, they came to Jerusalem specifically, specifically seeking the king of the Jews. They came seeking Jesus Christ. And there are lots of scriptures, but one of the scriptures they may have been familiar with. They didn't say, here's the scripture we wrote. Uh, but from Jeremiah chapter 23, because Jeremiah spoke at a time when the Jews were not only uh, still in um, Israel, but some of them were over in Babylon. Some of them had been dispersed around the known world at that time. And when they left, they took their faith, their religion, and their Bibles, which only contained the Old Testament at the time, with them, their knowledge of God. And so as they got ingrained in the culture, then one of the things that got out is that, you know, this, Jeremiah 23, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. And they, just like uh, the, the people that Jesus came to, were expecting a king, not an uh, eternal king, but someone who would take the nation of Israel back and be the king of the Jews. So they came... And they said, where is this person uh, who is the king of the Jews? So uh, let me do this. I want to spend some time praying because there are people, especially this Christmas season, that are specifically going to be looking to come to know Jesus. And every Christmas Eve celebration, some in the morning, some at night, some both, hopefully will be sharing the gospel that, yes, Christ was born for us, but he was born so that he could die for us. Just like, you know, we sang in Heart the Herald Angels Sing, born so that men will no longer die. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we lift up every Christmas Eve celebration in every God-honoring, spirit-filled, Bible-believing congregation that when they gather, that yes, that they'll sing songs to praise you, that they'll hold their traditions, whether it be candlelight or communion or whatever they do, but also that they share the gospel that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, was born in the flesh to save us from our sin. God, we pray that that word is just hammered through. We pray that the people that are, are, are coming, whether they're um, 
you know, coming because they're brought with family members or coming because they're brought with friends. We pray that they would come and they would hear the hope that exists in the birth of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, here's the other thing. He goes on, and there's a lot of disagreement about this. And I don't think it's anything to disagree over, but in verse 9, he says, After they had heard, the wise men had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And there are people that kind of like, this is why I can't believe the Bible or whatever, because they're like, how can a star move that way specifically kind of like on cue? That's not the way constellations move. And there's a very simple answer for that. One is the Bible specifically says that God has put those stars in place, calls them by name, and has sovereign authority over them. So if I'm God and I wanted to move a star, I'd do it, regardless of what the scientists on earth say. But the other thing is, is the Bible specifically says that um, when, I think it's in Job, when God is speaking to Job and he says, where were you when, you know, the heavens and the earth were created and the morning stars sang? And there he's calling the morning stars the angelic beings that praise God as he was creating things. So this was either an actual star that God moved in order so that the people would follow it, or it was an angelic being that shone so bright like a star that people thought it was a star and followed it. I don't know which one it was. I really don't care. I'm just happy that God made things happen in such a way so that, and this is the cool thing, foreign people who were not Jewish, who didn't know God, came seeking Jesus. That, that's the highlight. That's, that's the focus. Not that, hey, how can a star move? It's that, hey, God maneuvered circumstances in such a way to allow people that were literally far removed from him to come and seek him and find him. But then he goes on, and Matthew says this, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So here's the very first thing that they did. Right? They come, they find Jesus who they've been seeking, and they worshiped him. So here's what I want to pray. I want to pray for our churches around the world, not just in the United States. It's great that we want to feed people in the community. That's great. That's what we're supposed to do. But our first priority is worshiping Jesus. It's great that we want to, you know, help out people in need and um I don't know if I shared this with you guys, maybe I shared it online, that myself, other pastors, especially during Christmas, we get calls like crazy from people. I get detailed emails of people saying, here's why you should financially help me and my family, and, and a list, here's the gifts we want. And other pastors get that as well. And it's great when we can step in and do that to people, but first and foremost, we want to worship Jesus. It's great when we can support uh, uh, the missionaries like we do. But first and foremost, we want to worship Jesus. And I think sometimes within churches, we get so heart-heavy because of the injustices we see in our community and in our nation that we want to spend time and resources and money doing that when first and foremost, we should be leading people to worship Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we pray that um, we in the church, we who are Christ followers, we who have been 
uh, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, would remember first and foremost, our primary focus and priority is to worship Jesus. Yes, we want to help and we want to feed people, but first we want to worship Jesus. Yes, we want to see our communities and our nation transformed and be more loving and more kind and be more just like you, but first and foremost, we want to worship Jesus. And yes, we want to see lives transformed as people come to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the primary way recorded in the book of Acts that people came to know you was when they saw other people worshiping Jesus. So we pray that you would impress it upon our heart to remember our primary responsibility, why we're here, to worship you. And as we worship you, that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit to do all the things that you have called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, I'm going to move through the rest of this quickly just for the sake of time. Um, so the wise men came, and they were bringing specific gifts, right? They brought uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I think we talked about this a couple of years ago in the Christmas series, that gold was the gift that you bring for a king. In that culture, in that day, whenever you went to see a king, and if you look throughout the Old Testament, whenever people showed up to visit a king, yes, they would bring spices. They would bring the best things of their land, if it was like, you know, they were in a land that was rich with like animals and they bring animals and fur and all that stuff. But the thing that all of them would bring was gold because gold was the gift that you would bring for a king. Now, for us, and I, I'm trying to word this in a way that doesn't make it seem weird, but I'm going to just spit it out and we'll clean it up later because um, I get that we as individuals, we're humans, we give our, our money where, what, to what we think is important. So some people give to political parties because they think that's important. Some people give to charities, uh, health charities, uh, Red Cross, First Aid, um, St. Jude Children's Hospital, uh, cancer relief, whatever has impacted you, uh, you give to what's important. And one of the things that God asks us to give is, yeah, he says give 10% of your money, but what Jesus clarified is, hey, what you really should be give, giving, whatever you value most, that's what you give. And for some people, yeah, money is a big deal. Give money. We live in a culture where money drives everything. We can't keep the lights on without money. But you know what else a lot of us value? Our time. Because we can't get that back. And so those of you that, 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 you know, whenever we, first of all, thank you for those of you that show up here. Because we're asking you to commit your time to come and worship, and you do. So thank you for that. Praise God for that. Uh, but also, and I, I forget, maybe Larry or somebody, we were talking about uh, this over the last couple of weeks, is that, you know, all the things that our community needs that our church can do, they can only do when they have people to do it. We can't show up and feed anyone unless there are volunteers willing to show up and help feed people. We can't show up and, and, and give aid uh, to a country that's been devastated like Puerto Rico unless you have volunteers that show up and say, hey, I'm willing to give my precious time to go there and volunteer and help other people. So I want to pray that throughout, you know, not just our congregation, but throughout 
churches that we, we understand how valuable and precious our time is, but that we'd be willing to donate it as God directs us. Because that's one of the things that we give. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads again. God, we pray that as your people, that we understand how precious time is to us. Because we can never get it back. We can't beg it. We can't borrow it. We can't steal it. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. Nothing can change that. And so we pray that you would impress it upon the hearts of your people to donate their time, whether it be to the food bank, whether it is to clean out their closet and give coats, whether it is to some other you know, God-honoring organization that's trying to help people in the community or change lives in the community. It only happens when your people give. And we pray that you would impress it upon us to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the next thing that they gave, they gave gold, but they gave frankincense. Frankincense was the gift for a priest. Now, I've had to struggle with this, and I know we hear a lot of the things that, you know, your relationship with God is a relationship. It's not a religion. And I've said that myself, but it is a religion. Because that's where you have a priest over. It's religion. That's why God created the whole Old Testament uh, Levitical order was about understanding that it's a religion and there are acts of worship, but there are things that need to be done. And there are priests who intercede between us and God. That's the way God wanted it. That's the way he designed it. That's the way it still is today. In the book of Hebrews, we read this. Since then, we have a great high priest, and they're talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And the author of Hebrews is going through great pains to, to, to he's writing primarily to Jewish people who have become believers, but they're trying to hang on to their old religion, and he's like, hey, you need to understand that Jesus is our new high priest. The old high priest just was kind of showing you what it was supposed to be like, but Jesus is the only high priest who could intercede on our behalf fully, wholly, and pay the penalty for our sins. And then he goes on and he says this, so let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And so here's the, the last gift. They gave gold, gift for a king, frankincense, gift for a priest, and then myrrh, which is the gift for a burial. It, it, and it's hard for us to imagine because myrrh was used as a spice for other things, but primarily it was used for a burial. And we see it at Jesus' burial. John captures this in uh, John chapter 19. He writes this. Uh, Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloth with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now for us, it may not make sense, but imagine that you're in some position of power, and so as a gift, you know, people say, hey, Kevin, you're finally the, you know, governor Pennsylvania, we brought you gold or money to invest in your campaign, right? Because that, that was it. Uh, we brought you frankincense, not because you're a priest, but because you're a Christian. And we brought you a coffin. Have fun. 
That, that's pretty much what they were doing. They were acknowledging that they knew that Jesus was supposed to die for the sins of his people. Now remember, this is a collective group of people that represent philosophical thought, uh, multiple religious thoughts, a scientific thought, medical thought, all of these type of things. And people debate over, you know, we hear three gifts, so we think there were three wise men. It's likely, depending on how many different disciplines were represented, it could have been five or it could have been anywhere from 12 to 20. And at the same time, they brought aids in a caravan, so it could have been, you know, 12 people. It could have been 112 people in the caravan. We don't know because no one recorded it for us. But we do know that they brought those specific gifts which highlighted the thought process of that think tank. That they knew Jesus was king. That they knew uh, that Jesus was going to be the high priest of his people. And that they knew Jesus was going to die for his people. So as our final prayer, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And we're going to pray that God would really impress upon all of those people that are coming on Christmas Eve that Jesus, yes, he was born for us, but the miracle is that he lived and died for us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we pray that over next weekend, we know there are going to be multiple, literally, uh, congregations, some holding one service, some holding two, some holding seven, eight, or nine. Some holding services on Christmas morning, on that Monday. And we pray that in each and every one, as we prayed earlier, that the gospel is clearly shared, but also that it is made crystal clear that we are, as human beings, whether we like it or not or believe it or not, we are born with this condition called sin that separates us from you. And that you, out of your love for us, allowed your son Jesus Christ to be born for us, to obey that whole religious law system for us, to be put upon a cross and sacrificed for us, to be buried for us, and to rise from the dead for us, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that as high priest he could intercede and have our sins removed, and so that we would get to spend an eternity with you. God, we pray that that amongst all of the Christmas traditions, amongst all of the Christmas music, amongst all of the things that are done next week, we pray that that gets done with clarity and most importantly, with compassion. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said.